I want you to think back to when you were a kid. Think of all the things that you did that might have been goofy, might have been funny at the time then, but now as an adult, uh, you look back and you kind of think, oh man, why did, I, why did I do that? We all did those things. And now that I have kids of my own, it's funny to see the quirks that they have, um, the things that they do, the habits they pick up as a kid uh, that we could not get away with now. Um, it's, it's something that's beautiful, um, something that kind of makes me shrug my shoulders at times, uh, and it's, it's definitely something that I find funny. My guest this week is returning author and friend Will Blaine. We talk about his latest books, uh, one that is currently released uh, now on Amazon, and upcoming books. And honestly, I'm tickled to death because he read one of his um, new books that is not out yet on this episode of Parent Quest, and I'm so, so excited about it. And, and you'll see why I'm talking about funny habits and goofy quirks that we had as kids, kids because I believe that this episode I may have... Um, uh, shared a personal story of something that I did as a kid that I find um, maybe not embarrassing but totally weird and maybe I'm not the only one but at the same time it was kind of therapeutic uh, talking to Will about that so yeah uh, you have to listen to this episode to find out uh, what it is that I'm talking about what I did as a kid um, I'm sure you'll laugh at it but anyways I don't I don't want to hold you up any further. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into the episode with this week's guest, Will Blaine. Writing to you. I have one. So you're the only male in your family. And I find that interesting. Okay. Um, I was in the same situation. You know, I had my, um, my first wife and my daughter and, and me, mm -hmm. and you have, you have two little girls and the wife. And I, I, I think that all, all men have an experience that is very different than, than most girls. And that is talked about in my latest book. It's called We Wally. It's called, I'm sorry. We Wally. We Wally. Right. Okay. Right. So <clears throat> when young, young boys are, are first being potty trained, often their father and or mother will have them pee on something to get them used to not wet in their pants so a it's, a story. it's a story about a little boy that that realizes that he can do that and his mother's okay with it so he just goes to town and starts peeing on things and uh i'll maybe i'll maybe i'll read that okay maybe i'll i'll uh i'll pull that up it's a, it's a very funny story everybody that's a guy will love it okay. every mother will love it okay um while you're while you're doing that, I'll I'll relate relate a story to you. Uh, when I was younger, I don't know, I, I don't know what was going on in my life, but um, <laughs> it, it had to have been around the age that I was being potty trained, right? Uh, and I I would pick random spots to go pee at in the house, and one of them included my father's shoes. This and, is exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. So maybe this, this will make me feel a little normal. Maybe like I shouldn't have to go to therapy over why as a kid, I wouldn't pee on random things. You, you are perfectly normal. Okay. I, you. I like this. Perfectly normal. Yeah. Yeah. I like this. That's good. So now, I want to make sure because 
the book that I picked up was The Glorious Gizzard of Roz. That's your most recent one published, yeah. correct? Yeah, that's the latest one I published. Okay. Okay. And We Wally is the, is the book that you are getting ready, that you are right. currently working on. I, I am, I'm putting the one finishing of, touches on, on the writing. So, so there's, a, there's t- different stages of, when, of publishing a book. So I've written a lot of stories, but that doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that they're going to get published. So I, I work with um, a, an illustrator, and I write some, draw some of my own illustrations and things like that as well. And then I work with a designer, like a book designer. So um, that's uh, copy editing and how things are positioned on the page and different things like that that also so um, those two stages have not been done yet so the next one that's probably going to come out is called the brat with a bat so um, that is very much like it sounds Um, little kid gets a new baseball bat and is trying it out on many different objects so and that's probably something you did as a child as well i I don't remember that as much as peeing in my dad's shoes but yeah i probably did Well, we can we can do a little therapy today. And- yeah, let's do it. I want to hear this. I'm going to cue some dramatic music here to, okay. to kind of get it started. And then, okay, yeah, whenever you're ready. There you go. All right, here we go. This is, this is Wee Wally. I learned something new today, and now that I'm three, I'm constantly searching for new places to wee. Mom had showed me the toilet. I left some debris. But as we walked down the lane, she didn't foresee that I had to go badly a wee emergency. So she told me that I should just go on a tree, which left me to wonder, just where can I wee? I weed on the flowers planted in our front yard. I weed on mom's tires without any regard for all of the trouble she had went through that day to polish and scrub them to a shine while I played. I weed on a tree already, that's true, but from a tree, that is to wee with a view. The branches were all wet, all covered from stray, spray. Getting down, I got damp, but that was okay. As I walked past our house while chasing a ball, I had to go badly, so I weed on the wall. I stood drawing patterns using only my stream. I can see it's a talent, or so it would seem. I weed in a bottle that I found by the street. I did it out in the open and far from discreet. Tried to wee on a bird, but had no success. I tried running and weeing. It was such a big mess. I weed on some ants that were running around. I weed on a post that was stuck in the ground. I weed in a puddle, then made one of my own. When I weed on the steps, some splashed on Dad's phone. I weed on Mom's pots with lettuce growing inside, but she couldn't tell, even if she had tried. When I weed on the couch, it sprayed all around. My kitty got frightened and quickly jumped down. As I weed in the closet, I drew little kid art. I made some circles, a square, a flower, and a heart. As I finished my canvas, I heard a great cry. Mom had sat on our couch that was no longer dry. She stood there perplexed as she felt her backside about the source of the liquid and why it would hide. She looked up at the ceiling, then the walls and the floor but still couldn't imagine what the water was for. While all this was happening, I walked down the hall. I planned to get a big drink and to play some football. I'm not sure how it happened. Somehow I'd lost track of my intent to go play and to be quarterback. I climbed to the counter to get a glass from the shelf. As I filled it with water, I was proud of myself. 
I was weeing in the sink as mom walked in the room. She insisted our kitchen was not a bathroom. She told me the toilet is the only place I should wee. And if she didn't, and if I didn't, she'd spank me. That's a sure guarantee. The lesson we learn here is even though we are free to wear we where we have to, we must always foresee that there are lots of those out there that will not agree. Even though it is doubtful mom will hold my own view, I know if she had an aimer, she'd wee on things too. So when nature comes knocking, discreetly answer the door in the woods or your toilet, and in a pinch, use the floor. That's awesome. Wow. I can relate in so many ways. Every every young every young male can. Any male can. I think yeah. Uh, it, it's and even even adults, um they will they will find ways to I've been there. We in creative yeah. ways. Yes. Yeah, it's it's uh Yes. I, I think some people take it a little bit to extremes, like to uh, there's a limit. I, I think, yeah. and, and, and I think most people realize that. And, Are you saying you they're know, getting too creative where where they we? It, it's um, discretion is is the key. Okay, being, being discreet is 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 great. And yeah, and I think you know when you got to go bad, you just uh, you know men have options. Yeah, let's put it that way. Yeah. Yes, and so I yeah. I, I having Rue right now because she's um, almost two and she's starting the potty training phase. We have a little potty for her. she goes to it and she now takes her diaper off to go in there and pee. But she also, if it's not around, she just she just goes. But it's I get you know, you. it's mostly just a four. You can't get get as creative as a girl, but you know. <laughs> but. I I I um one of my. I'll, I'll I'll just give her the anonymity as much as I can. But one mm-hmm. of my young relatives um, was able to do a pretty good job of peeing on a tree. Oh, wow. I, you know, as a, as a young girl, she's not a young girl anymore. So I I just, I just leave it that way. But she when she was when she was little, she did a pretty pretty impressive job. You know. Yeah. Wow. That's hilarious. That that is awesome, and I love the lesson at the end. It's very nice. And I, I I've, um, I know in our previous discussion, um, you mentioned that at the end of your your books, you like to put some kind of lesson, whether it be, um, something that we can really learn from or something that's funny. Um, the the book that you just or that your most recently published book, The Glorious Gizzard of Roz, there is a lesson at the end of that. Um, but before we get to all of that, I, I am curious because. Um, I really, I really enjoyed this book. I want to know how in the world did you come up with the idea for, um, uh, for this book and maybe, uh, for our listeners, give an idea of what the book's about. Yeah. So, um, I, well, it's, it comes from it, the, the, the stories come from several different things, different, different angles. Uh, when I was growing up, I, um, uh, I raised chickens from eggs. We had an incubator and um, I don't know if you know anything about raising chickens, but mm-hmm. we, you know, you put the eggs in the incubator and if they're fertilized, uh, you know, it's like 20 some days you get a, get a little chicken. So uh, when the chickens hatch, um, we would put them under a heat lamp in a little box with a little sawdust in the, in the floor or some straw or something like that. And 
the until they got their feathers in where they can go outside and have a little bit of protection and be able to um, be better off you know by themselves they would stay under that heat lamp and as they as they would they would huddle all together and um, you would see as they were sleeping you could tell that they were dreaming because they had cheap and sometimes they'd flap their little wings or sometimes they'd kick their feet or something like that. And I would always wonder, you know, what are, what are chickens dreaming? What is that? What are they, what are they thinking about? You know, what are they, they, what are they, you know, they're obviously having some type of dream. What could a chicken dream? So, um, and I, I thought about that in my, my, myself as, as I was growing up, I was thinking about, you know, a lot of my dreams when I was growing up, I don't know about you, but some of them were very vivid. They were, it was like, you you wake up and you know the last part of that dream seems like it's in real life right now. Um, you know, say I, I dreamt one time that I had like a dirt bike or something like that, and you know I can remember like going downstairs and as you're getting more and more awake, you're realizing this is a dream and it was not exactly reality it's like hey, i don't have a dirt bike my parents would mm-hmm. never let me have something like that so mm-hmm. you know it, it wore off before i made it outside but but um so you know a lot of these a lot of these uh dreams are you know, they're very they're very uh make a big impression and mm-hmm. and that's what the glorious gizzard bras was i i and what inspired me to write it in the this time is my sister had gotten some chickens she was raising chickens and uh, that is in fact who it's dedicated to if you look at the dedication um, you see all the names in there and that's what it is it's my sister and her her chickens so um she she uh she named them all you know, alistair and blanche and and i just think that's that's very fun to mm-hmm. have she she picked out old lady names for all of her chickens i, I just mm-hmm. thought that was pretty fun so so I dedicated the book to them, and that was that's what inspired me to write it uh, yeah. right now. Yeah, talking about dreams in general, just I, I I get that. I feel like there's times where we have dreams that are so vivid that are um, it it almost feels like a reality that you're in. And uh, unfortunately for me, the ones that seem the most realistic or the or the ones that you know really feel like you're there <laughs> are the scary dreams. And the ones yeah, that really sometimes. mess mess with your head, and uh, that's that's why I thought when I read the information about the book and that you wanted it to be a psychological thriller for kids, I thought that is such a cool idea. And and I had no idea where you, where you were going to go with this. And then once I got to the final page, with and I read it with Bo too. She was giggling the whole way through with the illustrations and and um, the wording too. She, she really did love it, but I thought a psychological thriller for kids is just such a cool idea. Yeah. So um, I, I was reading this um, to one of my neighbors down the street and this little boy, he's probably three or four years old or something like that. So he, as I'm reading it, so we get about halfway through and the story gets kind of intense and he's like, Oh no, the chicken's going to get me. Mm-hmm. He's just like, <laughs> and, I, and I love that. It's I, not, to, not, that I'm scaring kids necessarily. And that's, that's mm-hmm. why I recommend that, uh, you know, the, my stories are for parents to read with their children, mm-hmm. uh, you know, particularly smaller ones. But, um, you know, it's, it gets them to thinking about the possibilities of reality. You know, what, what is your reality? Um, you know, for a chicken, it could be a lot of things you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, people can do a lot of things and their realities can be, 
uh, virtually anything. Um, so, you know, I, I encourage encourage young kids to you know, pursue their dreams and and to make sure that they uh, essentially what I'm trying to do is make get people to read. I think that's the right. the biggest thing. The biggest thing that that you can do for your children, and I'm sure you do this, is to read with your children. Yeah. I, I you know when my daughter was little, I read to her every night. And, you know, a lot of times throughout the day and things like that. And I think that's something, you know, I, I don't know if you knew this about me or not, but I, I used to teach school also. And I was very, I, I'm, I'm, it's kind of devastating to me to realize that kids are functionally illiterate coming into high school. Not, not all of them, but, but, but there is a significant amount of the population that have made it to high school without being able to read well. Um, and I, you, if, unless you can read well, it is very hard to get along in life. Do you think that's something that's, that is getting worse and worse as time goes on because of technology and, and it's not being encouraged to read as much? People are getting their information through vlogs and, you know, not, not having, or even audiobooks now. I mean, I know we had audio, I, I listened to audiobooks when I was a kid before I went to sleep, but even more so now, you can get all that information. Um, uh, put into your ears as opposed to you actually having to sit down and read it. Yeah. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but that, mm-hmm. that skill of being able to read and to be able to comprehend mm-hmm. what you read and put that into action. And that affects every outcome of your life, you know, from even making business decisions or, or not only business decisions, but consumer decisions as you know, in the society we live in, um, you know, being able to handle your money properly mm-hmm. is uh, something that's not a subject that's not, really taught very well no and you're, it, it really you are isn't. really inhibited if you cannot read well if you can't read well and you can't understand and you can't comprehend these concepts uh you're you're going to have a very hard time in life and i think this is the one of the best things that you can do for your kids is to read with them uh, so so you talking about not society not really teaching kids how to handle money real, really well is that a a tease for a future book that you're writing about children handling finances and dealing with you know, quarter machines. I, and I've thought about that. And I'm, I'm um, so I've, I've written the, the series uh, wildly inappropriate stories for children. Mm-hmm. And now glory, the glorious gizzard of Roz is not really part of that series, uh, but I'm going to pick up the series again with my fourth book. And it is going to be the story called the brat with a bat. Mm-hmm. And again, the wildly inappropriate stories with children series is about children doing things that their parents would rather than not do. Um, so great things the, with a bat. The title, the title is is uh, you, know, you, you got it. They're they're going to be breaking things with a baseball bat. And I think this is that's something that you know I <clears throat> and I'll tell this about myself. My youngest sister. I'm I'm about ten years older, nine or ten years older than my youngest sister, and she loves to tell the story about when we were kids that I hit her in the knees with a two by four. Now I did not hit her in the knees with a two by four. I feel compelled to tell the story because I think a lot of times when uh, kids are young, uh, the story of the brat with the bat, kids aren't intending to be bad necessarily. Mm -hmm. It is them learning about their surroundings and, and being able to, uh, see their limitations and, and see what's going to happen if they take particular action and things like that. They're not necessarily out to destroy your house. That is the outcome sometimes, but 
well, that's not that's not what's intended necessarily. So in, in this situation, I uh, I had as like I said, we had we had raised chickens, and you know the chickens get large, and you have to go feed them every day. And and one of the things that I really liked doing as a as a as a young person, I was probably I don't know, I might have been a teenager at this point, young teens. Um, I would take a furring strip, which, which is like a little half inch wide by maybe two inch wide piece of slat of wood. And it was probably, I don't know, two or three feet long. And I was taking pieces of corn and taking them up and then hitting them with that furring strip. Mm-hmm. And the chickens would go run after the piece of corn and, and get it. And that was, that was my preference on how to feed the chickens that day was mm-hmm. by taking hundreds of pieces of corn and hitting them with that little furring strip and the chickens out there going out and chasing it. So apparently I must've gotten carried away at some point and I swung away and on my backswing, my sister was sitting on some type of surface and I whacked her in the legs with the furring strip. That's what happened. It was unintentional. It was not intentional. I, that was, you know, I love my sister. She, we've always gotten along very well. And, um, I don't, I never really intended to particularly injure any of my sisters. I mean, I didn't set out to do that, but it it happens sometimes. And, you know, I I think that you are probably very well aware of this being, I I, I just know a little bit about you, that you are the youngest in your family Mm -hmm. as opposed to being the oldest. And I would expect, I I know your brother and your sister, that they were probably not very uh, lenient with you. in, in, in some parts of your life. So I, I'm sure that you probably bear the brunt of, of some of their experimentation and. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, uh, the same thing, there's two memories that come into my mind, um, almost similar to you. Uh, although one of them was intentional. <laughs> <laughs> um, growing up, we would watch the karate kid, the original karate kid. And I remember just watching it being, just, I don't, I don't know. I just, it got in my head. I was a kid and I had been at least, you know, five, if not younger, but I remember trying to to sweep the leg with her and bit my sister and kick her right in the leg. And I got in trouble and that was intentional, but there was another unintentional. I didn't mean to hurt her. We were fishing and I was trying to get the hook out. And I threw it behind me and she was standing behind me and uh, the hook went, and hooked into her and uh i think yeah. i remember that i yeah. i knew you at that age and i i think that i remember that yeah that is that was a long time ago yeah so uh, yeah and and she may you know if she i don't know if she remembers it but if it if she does she she may point the blame at me and say i, I did it on purpose <laughs> it's possible but yeah i i i my sister not so much my brother we we would play together and physically play together and yeah there was times where i got beat up pretty good <laughs> <laughs> well it happens i mean you yeah. know if you, your brother's a few years older than you and and you know you should probably ex- probably expect that mm-hmm. yeah wow really take me down memory lane thank you <laughs> <laughs> well I, I i i'll i'll tell you tell you we were talking earlier about um our our memories of of people when we first met them and everything like that. And uh, I don't want to embarrass you or anything, but I you're thought fine. you were, I thought you were an, an adorable kid. I, I just, you're, you're just like, so, so small and so sweet. And, <laughs> and 
I, I always, I always liked you growing up. I thought you, thought you were a cute little guy. And, um, I, I, and I know that you had your moments. I, I know I've known your mom and dad and, um, uh, all kids do, you know, yeah. my, my daughter, you know, she, you know, she was, she was the best kid, but you know, she had her moments too. I mean, yeah. it was, you know, I, I love my daughter to pieces, but, um, she, I, I told the story. I think the last time I was on, I told the story about this, her getting the sword. Um, but at any rate, um, I don't know she, if I remember, I remember you telling the story of her narrating her life. Okay. Well, that's, that was, that was another thing that she did. But anyway, yeah. she, she, um, when she was pretty young, she's probably like seven or eight years old. I'll, I'll tell the story as well. Yeah. Uh, so she had gotten a baton and, you know, the little baton, they, they spin mm-hmm. around all that kind of thing. And, uh, she had, she was playing with it in the backyard. And I said, baby, don't, don't leave that in the backyard. Cause I'm going to mow here in a little bit. I don't want to you know, hit it with a lawnmower. Mm-hmm. Said, oh, daddy, I won't forget. Okay. So, uh, about a half hour later, I came in the backyard and there it laid right there in the, right there in the middle of the yard. And I shut the lawnmower down. I picked it up and she was in the kitchen, in the house, having a glass of iced tea at the kitchen table. And I, I had the baton in my hand and before, you know, as I walked in the door, she's like, Oh daddy, I'm sorry. She, before I said a word. I'm so sorry. I, I, I forgot to, to, uh, pick up that baton. So I was trying to be a good father, you know, just, uh, you know, drive the point home that, you know, why we shouldn't do this thing. And I said, Becky, why, uh, what could have happened if I would have hit that with a lawnmower? And I was expecting her to say something like, Oh, I don't know if you would hit it with your lawnmower, it could have destroyed your lawnmower or, uh, if you'd hit it with a lawnmower, it could have shot out from underneath of it and really hurt somebody, or mm-hmm. you know something to that effect. And she's thinking about this, you know. Should I, I asked her the question, "What would have happened?" And she thought about it for you know a minute or two, and and her response was, "You'd have bought me another one." <laughs> but you know, and that's she basically had everything she, I mean, pointed at, I mean, she wanted right. something, she got it, you know, and I'm sure you're, you're, I'm, I don't think that you're spoiling your kids or anything. No. But you you want to give your kids everything right. that they want, you know, yeah. but that's not always the best thing that I, that's what I found. You know, it's, it's not always the best to give your child everything that they want. Cause I was mm-hmm. doing that. You know, I, I wanted her to have everything that she wanted and to be happy. And, and right. I don't know if I was trying to make up for my childhood or whatever, but you know, I think parents generally like their kids to have everything they want. Yeah. Well, that's, I found out that that was not necessarily the best, the best thing. Well, I found out tonight that even if you don't buy your daughter a $32 plush toy, that she will go ask Mamaw and Papa. <laughs> they will buy it for. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, I've, I've had, I've bought my share, share of plush toys and yeah. Becky was really into Legos. You know, when she was, oh, I better finish. I'm, I'm digressing and getting into too many subjects here, but I'll, so the, uh, after a while, I, I'll go back to the story about the baton. So she, um, she eventually, um, I, I said, you know, I can't in good conscience think of myself as a good father. If she doesn't appreciate the things that she has, you know, She's, she says, well, you'd have, if you ran over there with a lawnmower, you'd have bought me another one. That's the first thing that comes to your mind. That's, that's, just, that's wrong you know, on so many levels. So I, I thought about it for a couple of weeks and I was like, honey, here's a, here's a new situation. I am going to give you $5 a week, free and clear. Yep. 
However, I'm not going to buy you toys anymore. You know, I'm going to buy, you know, food, clothes, whatever. Right. I, you, know, you don't have to worry about that. But your toys, I, I want you to learn to, to appreciate things. And, and you can uh, just buy whatever you want with the $5 you get every week. You can save it up or you can spend it every week. It doesn't matter. It's up to you. So that's when I learned that she was tight. She does not like to spend money. She, she would, I gave her with five bucks a week and she had saved it for the better part of a year. Mm-hmm. And she would not, she would not spend a dime. She would not spend a dime. We go to the, the store and finances. That's well, you know, it served her well as she got to be an adult, but, yeah. um, it, and you know, I, I can say that she probably got that from me because I'm, I'm a frugal person. I don't yeah. like spending. I mean, I have money to spend, but just bring me to spend it. I, even in my, I, I'm, an, I'm a process engineer at work, which means that I buy things for the company. Right. I hate buying things for the company. You know, I wrote a check for fifteen thousand dollars the other day, you know, in one sitting, and I about I was sick. I was yeah. like, I why I, I can't yeah, like that, I, yeah I, I would do, feel the same way too. It's a legitimate expense. It was necessary. You know, the mm-hmm. company needed and all that kind of thing, but. I'm like, man, that is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I've written checks for bigger stuff than that even. And it's just, I, I just, my stomach churns at, at even spending somebody else's money uh, you know, yeah. in, in any quantity for that matter. Well, stuff's expensive, especially like working in the medical field uh, where I work with, with hearts. Um, we use these, well, not at the facility that I work at, but at the facility I previously worked at. Um, they would use these little metal washers uh, that would stamp onto the heart, so that would it, it marked that you could see it on X-ray um, where the work had been done on the heart, where the surgeon had done the work, and they're like twenty-eight dollars for one, I think. Whereas the same exact thing, same quality at at Lowe's or Home Depot was fifty-eight cents. It's just crazy right. how like the markup for. Sure, the company you work with, the, the stuff they get, there's probably items that are marked up, medical is marked yeah. up, and then you, you know, it's crazy. We have preferred suppliers, mm-hmm. and and I understand why they have preferred suppliers because on the back end, like paying one person versus paying a thousand different people is less expensive from an accounting standpoint. So we will tolerate higher prices on from this particular company to an extent hmm. so um i i was dealing with a particular company and they got this little plastic tool that we needed and they wanted 62 dollars for it and i am like no way i i'm not paying that i'm not paying 62 dollars for a piece of plastic which it was it was it was not just a piece of plastic it was a form piece of plastic for a specific purpose and all this kind of thing. It was 3D printed. It was, it was, well, it wasn't 3D printed. It was, it was, I'm sure it was, um, you know, it was just uh, molded plastic, Mm. you know, but, but at any rate, um, I was able to find it on Amazon for, you know, like $7 or something like that. Not $62. I'm I'm not paying $62. I'm not going to let my company pay $62. There's, you got to, no, take that, bid back and try again let's let's uh somebody sounds like they're pretty fortunate to have you on (laughs) well i'm I'm just i it my mind was was just like exploding when i saw the 
the bid come in for 62 bucks. I was yeah. like, no, I'm not paying for your retirement off of this one purchase. You know, yeah. you were, it's, that's not acceptable. Yeah. So I was like, no, try again. And anyway, it came back and it, you know, we didn't, we still paid more than what I had gotten it, but it was nowhere near 62 bucks, you know? So, uh, at any rate, I was, I'm digressing again. So, so, so Becky, Becky, uh, she wouldn't spend her money for months and months and months. And we go to the store, we go to the toy store or wherever like that. And she would be begging, daddy, please buy me whatever it is. And I was like, well, you have your money. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Not going to spend it. No. What age did you start doing that? Uh, she was probably six or seven, something like that. I think we're getting close to that point. Yeah. But uh, you know, some kids are, some kids appreciate all the things they have. And and I don't know how much of a, you know, point and get, father you are it seems like you don't buy your kids every little thing but um i try not to no well and that's and that's good that's good i i really i really think that parents serve their children better if they don't buy them everything that they point in when we moved from west virginia to cincinnati the amount of bags that we had of just stuff that that was given to the girls that we bought for them that went to goodwill was just insane. And then when we moved here, we took even more bags and stuff and, and we gave them to some friends and then we donated to Goodwill. And, and then you sit and you look at all this, all this stuff is accumulated within five years and they don't play with half of it. So their bedroom now is very, we redid their bedroom. It's very minimal. They've got a few boxes of just different, a uh, few totes of just different toys and stuff that they'll use. Um, but we got rid of quite a bit because they don't use it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when Becky, Becky moved out, um, she, you know, she got to be an adult and she eventually moved, moved out. Um, we had these large totes. They're like, I don't know, three feet long, maybe 20 inches wide, something like that. She had three of them packed full of Legos. Those are expensive totes. Well, they were, they were, and I, I eventually gave them away to some of the, some of the young, younger kids that we knew. And, um, but it was, it was, you know, we go to the store and when, as in her early, early, early youth, you know, she got a, she got a Lego set almost every time she went to the store, you know? Oh, wow. And those are expensive. Add up. And it's not like she didn't yeah. play with them. She did. Right. And, and, and we had a, a couple, couple young, young boys that, that, uh, lived up the street from us and they would come over and, and play with Becky all the time. And they, mm-hmm. they loved the Legos. Becky loved the Legos. They always, they always played that. No, but go back to the, back to the sword story. So um, Becky won't spend her money and it has been several months and she comes up to me and she goes, daddy, I think that I know what I want to spend my money on. And I was like, man, I got to hear this. Cause it, she had, I mean, she literally, she's on her hands and knees begging at the toy store for me to beg to, to, uh, buy her toys. And I said, well, you spend your own money. And she's like, no, she will not do it. So she's finally figured out what she wants to spend her money on. And she goes, um, I want to buy a sword. And I'm like, like a Nerf sword. And she's like, no, no, no. I want an actual sword. So we had gone to the Renaissance I'm festival. Kill you. Well, no, it wasn't even that. So, um, we, you know, the Renaissance festival they have down in Southern Ohio, mm-hmm. uh, every year. So, uh, we had gone, we had gone to the Renaissance festival and apparently uh, they had these long steel double edged swords. Yeah. And she wanted one. 
Mm-hmm. And I said, absolutely not. You know, I'm being the responsible parent again. You are not getting a sword. And she goes, Dad, you said that it's my money and I can spend it on whatever I want. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, yes, I did say that. And as, and as you know, I as a parent, I I think that I'm a fairly liberal parent. I don't I don't I don't like making rules about right. what you can't do. You know, I, I'm like, you know, Becky, if you want to jump in your bed, go ahead and jump in your bed. But if you break your bed, your bed's broken. You don't yeah. get a new one. You know, so she never jumped in her bed. You know, not the, to my knowledge, or at least she didn't break it. Uh, and I, I'm not. I don't want to sit down and tell you what you can or can't do. I want you to be able to make a wise decision in life. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm training you. I think parents should train their children to be wise adults and to yeah. make wise decisions, not just financially, but with every every matter in life. You know, they have to have some type of standard by which they judge themselves on what's right and what's wrong, and they need to be able to live by that and to make that uh, decision in every aspect of their life. So that's what raising children should be. In my exactly, I, I agree a hundred percent with that. So um, I didn't like making the rules, but in this case, I said I thought about uh, every way that she or one of her friends could get impaled with this steel right. sword, and I was like, "Whenever your friends come over, the sword doesn't come out of a sheath. None of your friends gets a sword." Nobody acts as if they have a sword. Nobody uses a stick or a broom handle or whatever else. And I named all these specific rules that I will take that sword away from you in a heartbeat if you violate any of these rules. So, I don't know, probably 15. Oh, Becky's almost 30 years old now. She's probably 20, 27, 28 years old, something like that. But anyway, she, I was up there visiting back in December, and she goes, Hey, Daddy, remember all those rules that you had with the, with the sword and all that kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, she goes, I regularly violated them. Also, I think that those were stupid. She goes, those rules were ridiculous. That sword wasn't even that sharp, (laughs) (laughs) but, but I was thinking I was, so she had bunk beds and I was thinking about myself as a child, how I would have impaled myself on an object somehow like a sword. You know, I'm, I'm looking that, oh, she's holding the sword up on the floor like this. And one of her friends is on the top bunk and they decide That's to jump it. off. And, you know, I'm just thinking of all these scenarios. Yeah. And as a parent, you do. Of course. Of yeah. course. Um, now, now she is very safety conscious. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, that's, that's one of her best qualities is the, the ability of her to be able to look through a situation and, uh, not only make a reasonable decision, but to recognize that there's going to be danger or, or risk in something, something. And it served her well. She's, she, uh, she's been a school bus driver for, for many years now. And, um, and I think that makes her a good driver. You know, she's yeah. recognizing the risks. And I, and I'll also state that I think that women make very good heavy equipment operators. And I think that more women should get into that field. I think that it's a good paying job. And I also think that women that operate heavy equipment, I'm just judging from my own experience. You know, I've worked on construction sites and I've worked in a factory that has lots of heavy equipment. Women tend to be very careful. Um, you put, you get a, we have these giant fork trucks at work uh, that, that um, uh, carry steel and things like that. You get a man behind that and they're thinking, this is the most awesome thing. Look how, yep. you know, I can run over anything and crush it and, how and fast does it go? power, power, power. And 
And I think women have the mentality that, oh my God, I'm going to kill somebody or I could kill somebody with this mm-hmm. thing. I need to be very, very careful. True. To their credit, I think that is that is exactly what we want men to think, but I don't think men are programmed to think that way. No. And that goes back to the story of Wee Wally. You know, men just think differently about uh, things like that, which my favorite line of that whole story is that if mom had an aimer, she'd wield things too. Yes. I, I personally don't think that she would. But I think that every man is convinced that they would. would. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, this goes back to the difference between men and women. True. And when I think back to the reading of that, I think about the poor ants that he got. I mean, but I, you know, I probably would too. Who hasn't done it? Yeah. Who hasn't I probably done would it? too. That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Well, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on here again. I'm going to say the last time we talked, at least we recorded. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm working on all kinds of things now. I'm, I'm working on a coloring book too. So in addition to my uh, uh, new ri- written story, I'm also I'm, I'm publishing some of my art. I've been doing line drawings and things like that. And I'm going to publish a book. Uh, I'm going to title it Will Blaine's Big Book of um, Geometric Coloring Sheets. I'm going to say, I, I've seen you post. And I wanted to talk to you about that. I've seen you post stuff on Instagram and and on TikTok. You have little reels that you oh, yeah. you put on there as well. And what led you to wanting to do a coloring book? And you know, so I've I've been an artist for a long time, and I just never I don't know. I was never really shared my 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 stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got I, I I this originally started out as an educational thing. So um, everybody knows that a triangle has three sides and a a square has four sides, a rectangle has four sides, and a pentagon has five sides, and a hexagon has six sides, and a septagon has seven sides, and an octagon has eight sides. What's nine sides called? What's what's 10 sides? I don't know. 11 sides, 12 sides. So I, I go in a... I, I did that. I, I did some coloring sheets and I, and I, um, I think, you know, that would be really, really interesting to that kids knew um, geometry up to, I, I went to 16. I had this arbitrary number. Um, and, and I put a, a little um, coloring sheet and I, I think that, you know, teachers could use them. Parents could use them to supplement their child's education. So, I, I, that's how it, it all started. And then I thought, you know, what would be really cool is if I would use my art and use geometric shapes to make little animals or little this or little that. I've I've made little snails and and ladybugs and cats and uh, I've made doors and I did sunglasses the other day and flowers and. Uh, did dragonflies, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of little things and they're all made up of circles and ovals and rectangles. Right. And then, uh, you know, sometimes I'll distort it a little bit, but it all starts with those basic geometric shapes. So if, and, and I think that's a skill that people that, uh, aren't really taught, you know, as far as art is concerned is what 
what these shapes are. So like, if you look at my hand right here, you know, what do you see? You see, there's like a, like a, like a square right there in your hand. Right. And you can see this is an oval and an oval and an oval. So if these are, if these are taught, these are, these are these basic geometric formations and the basics of, of art and geometry. And I think that, that that's something that kids aren't taught as much. And I don't think that they should be. Um, I'm very big on education. I, I, I was in a job interview um, recently and they were asking about me continuing to go to school and, you know, get my, uh, you know, higher education and all that kind of thing. And I, and I have, a, I already have a degree and all that kind of thing. I just don't. And I, and my response was that I am going to continue my education. I think education should be lifelong. Right. I think that we should endeavor to learn something every single day, but going to school and with the pursuit of an advanced degree or something like that is not necessarily. Uh, I, I can't always say that that's education. Uh, I, I think that. In in my case, in my experience, I've I've gone and I've I've been turned off a lot by the attitude towards some educational institutions. In that they feel that having that degree or that diploma or that little piece of paper or those letters after your name mm-hmm. makes you better than somebody that doesn't. And that yeah. is a huge turnoff to me. Yeah, um, I think that. There are plenty of people that are intelligent or just as intelligent as somebody that has those name, those, those numbers or letters or after their name um, do, uh, you know, they, yeah, they I, might. I had I talked to um, a coworker yesterday, actually, and she had worked with a nurse that was um, in the field for 28 years. And they were going to make her redo her certification and her registry um, because some new guidelines had come out. And she was on the verge of, of retiring at that point. But, you know, 28 years experience in field, on the job, you know, training, hands-on work. And yet they wouldn't let her continue working in that field because she didn't have those letters next to her name. She didn't have BSN or master's, you know. And, and yeah, that's crazy. So you're going to put somebody else in that position who has no experience, who doesn't know the ropes of, of how things actually work and get rid of somebody who, who has trained experience in it. I find it troubling. I, mm-hmm. and, I, and it's not to, it's not to say that a degree doesn't have its place. A degree right. does tell some things about a person like to get, I, I, I have a degree. I have letters behind my name. That's, right. that's fine. But you know, what it, it, it shows about me is that I was determined enough to go to school for a particular length of time to jump through the hoops in order to get that piece of paper that says I have whatever degree. Right. Uh, that's, that's all that says. I, I don't, I, you know, and it, and I did learn some skills within certain aspects, you know, some focuses and things like that. But, you know, anymore, I think that people can, in general, can read a book yeah. and, or, or watch a video and have the same amount of education. Um, and I, see, and I, and I do that myself. I, I, I read books. I probably, I don't know, probably between 30 and 50 books every year. Wow. I, I typically will read uh, nonfiction. I like mm-hmm. biographies. I like history. Mm-hmm. I do not, I, maybe I'm, I'm a little biased, I suppose, but I don't like novels particularly. 
people lead people like the fiction and all that kind of thing. And that's that's that sounds kind of weird because I write children's fiction, but uh, right, that's your outlet. But that's that's what I I like writing, and I yeah. and I do like reading that too. But I I just find it far more interesting to read nonfiction. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that you can watch a video or read a book, and and for for people that do have that higher education, you have no idea how many times I've seen doctors look at procedure videos on YouTube before, you know, performing a procedure or or doing it's, something new. I mean, they should. They yeah. should. That's education. Yeah. That's education. Yeah. You know, you don't have to have you know some uh, class necessarily to be able to be an expert in your field. I, yeah. I think that there's lots of, lots of things that people become skilled at that, you know, you can go to school all you want to. It doesn't make you make you good at it. You right. Know, like a surgeon, for instance. Yeah. I'm sure that there are lots of people that have gone to school for a long time to be a surgeon that they're not that good a surgeon. You know, I mean, that's, that's true. That's yeah. true because it's, it takes, it takes more than going and sitting in a classroom. It, it takes, you know, dexterity it takes you know and you have to have that mental focus and you know and it, and it also goes back to what we do with our children at a young age and that is treating teaching them to read well and to understand and to comprehend uh, and that's that's the whole reason that i that i write these books yeah well that's awesome so um glorious gizzard of Roz is out now and and you had just read through wee wally uh, I don't know if that is, is that an exclusive here or something? Uh, we, we Wally is not in publication yet. It's uh, I'm, I'm still working on it. It's still in the works. Uh, okay, well, I feel tickled to death that you took the time to read it here though. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the first time that I've read it on uh, a media outlet. It's a parent quest ex- exclusive. Will. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is there anything in, in the, anything else that is in, in, your pro- your your list of projects that will be out within this year as well. Um, uh, I, I, probably this year I will have my coloring sheets book. Okay. Um, will Blaine's big book of geometric coloring pages or coloring sheets. I forget exactly how I'm going to title it. And I hope to have um, the brat with the bat out by the end of the year. Also. Awesome. And, and all of your publications can be picked up on Amazon. There, I'm I'm using Amazon right now. Yeah. And okay. everybody can look at my author page. It's Will Blaine. Um, you can look up under any of the titles of my books, uh, The Glorious Gizzard Raws. You type that into the search, it should come up. Um, and yeah, I encourage everybody to follow me. Also, if you um, want to really want to help me out, leave a review. You know, just uh, that that does give me more. Uh, as far as Amazon's concerned, it makes me more uh, famous or or whatever. It gets more people to get attention to to my my books and things like that i am I, i'm ashamed to say i don't read very much as much as i probably should so your book is the first book that i bought in 2022 okay so well it's a start I, man yeah and it's a good book i even for adults i recommend it because reading it to my kid was very enjoyable and she loved it and i i laughed at it so it was uh it, th- that chicken goes some places it does. It does. And that's the whole thing. It's the whole thing. And that's, yeah. and, and what's, it, it's, it's funny to me. I, and the, when I was writing this book, it is, it seems so far fetched and you're wondering where everything's going. And the last sentence of that book brings everything together. And you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, of course, of mm-hmm. course. And it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. 
after that. So uh, yeah, that's the way I designed it. And, and uh, I really encourage parents to read to their children. I, I, I read at story times and stuff like that at public libraries and stuff like that uh, too. And the kids always, always love to hear me read. And, and um, it's very exciting for me to see their faces light up and to get the reactions and stuff like that. And I think that that's some, some experience that every parent should have with their kids is to experience that emotion and to be able to have that that uh, that love that you're really building with your kids uh, mm-hmm. by reading with them and educating them. Awesome. Well, I, th- I, I thank you so much for coming on like, again, anytime you want to come on in the future, you're more than welcome. If you ever want to do another uh, book reading, you're, you're more than welcome <laughs> to come on here. That's, well, I've got, yeah. I've got plenty. I've got plenty. I'll, I'll, uh, we'll have to make it a little shorter, shorter span of time before I come back on. next. Yeah. Time. Yeah. yeah. I'm always working on something. Um, uh, Maybe I'll, I'll, so my wife and I were uh, taking a walk. We walk in like public parks. And I don't know if you know this or not, but if you ever make it up to Columbus, um, they have bald eagles and uh, several nesting pairs around the Columbus area. And one of the nests is just like five minutes from my house. So Abby and I go walking out there a lot and we see these bald eagles in flight all the time. And I just think that's, that's amazing to uh, be able to do that kind of thing. So if you're ever up this way, we'll have to take you out there. And yeah, I don't think I've ever seen uh, bald eagles um, in the wild like that. They're at the zoo, which is not the same. Well, it's but, not the same. Yeah. It's not the same. Yeah. We were out there a couple of weeks ago and a bald eagle had gone to the lake, capped, caught a fish in its talons on the fly and was flying back to a tree to eat it. And like the fish was like, you know, Worming. still kind of alive, I guess. And, and he flew back there, but you don't, I never saw really an Eagle or a Hawk or any large bird of prey when I was growing up. And now, you know, it's, it's nice to see them uh, reestablished and, and, yeah, uh, we see Hawks pretty, pretty frequently, but I haven't seen Eagles very, very much. I was going to say, so you guys like to take hikes. Have you been, have you, have you seen the, forest trolls that this artist has been building all throughout the world i've seen something like that there's been a couple parks that we've gone through and i don't know what it was about but i've seen they're like they have these little uh houses they build and they uh uh, like little sculptures of mushrooms and and Hmm. different things like that i don't know if it was the same thing or not but um the the guy's name is thomas dambo uh he he construct they're huge and there there's they're very tall um, statues that are quote unquote forest trolls. And he based like not, I don't know if they're children's stories, but he bases stories with each one. They're in different parks um, in the United States and other countries as well. And he's got, um, he built some in Dayton, Ohio. Oh, and it's a three mile hike. I haven't gone yet. I want to take the girls, uh, but they're, I'll, I'll send you a link to it. Okay. Um, yeah, very unique. I mean, I don't know, maybe not saying they build any kind of inspiration for a story or something, but it is very cool just to see um, even on, on the internet, just to see his artwork is, is very neat. And it's yeah. a unique idea because he builds it all out of recycled materials. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's interesting when you say that, where you find inspiration in, in writing a story. Cause I was, I was telling, talking about Abby and I going out uh, walking. We had uh, gone to this park and we saw this giant Oak tree that had kind of like, Leaned, leaning to the side it had mm-hmm. it was fallen it was dead and there was a woodpecker on it and 
Abby and I were walking along and she goes, do you think you could write a story about that? And I did. And it's called Gary the Great. Maybe I can talk, talk about that next time I come in. Yeah, let's do that. Let's plan for that. Let's plan to have you on uh, a lot sooner than, than later. <laughs> Sounds great, Kyle. What a great discussion. Will, thank you so much for coming on to this week's episode of Parent Quest. I uh, cannot wait to have you again on in the future. And you lovely listeners, you incredible viewers, you can head on over to Amazon, type in Will Blaine uh, in the search bar, and his books will come up. I cannot recommend The Glorious Gizzard of Roz enough to you for you to read to your kids or even read to yourself. It's so good. And while you're at it, if you can do me a huge favor, please head on over to Apple or head on over to Spotify. Leave me a review, a nice five-star review. It really helps me out. And if you're watching on YouTube, please like, subscribe, tell your friends. Uh, you know, it's it's means a lot to me um, for you all to spread the word about Parent Quest. And I think with that said... Um, This episode of Parent Quest is officially completed. Thank you and have a wonderful day.